Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Don't miss out on your chance to listen to four-time Super Bowl champ Charlie Weiss on the only podcast solely devoted to everyone's favorite position in football, the quarterback. Listen for free now by subscribing wherever you get podcasts or by going to CelebrityQB.com. Welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. I'm your host, Dwayne Callender. A lot to talk about. Uh, NFL news, uh, and it ain't pretty because we've lost Aaron Rodgers for the season in all likelihood with a broken collarbone. So for those of you needing quarterbacks, this isn't really a good week because uh, it's getting to slim pickings at this point, but... We'll, we'll get into that. We got baseball to talk about. Game three for the Yankees and Astros coming up. Uh, Dodgers uh, went up 2-0 on the Cubs. So, again, uh, get into both of those matchups. And college football was a complete and utter mess with four of the top ten teams going down uh, this weekend. So, uh, quite a bit to go, get through. So, uh, first off, we're going to go into baseball. So, I mean, I said it before, and it's it's coming pretty much uh, to light, unfortunately. Uh, with the Yankees in this series against the Astros, they needed to uh, do something to put the Astros in an com- uncomfortable spot. And so far, uh, the Astros uh, pitching staff has dominated the Yankees by pitching around them, getting them uh, into uh, strikes, uh, strikes or borderline strikes that... The Yankees almost have to take, but then there were some balls that were being swung at on Verlander Saturday that were well off the plate. So, I mean, if we're going to go start nitpicking on different aspects, uh, I mean, game two, you kind of go back through exactly what was going on. Uh, The Gardner play where he makes the last out at third. Uh, you know, first couple of replays, I was totally crushing Gardner. Then when I saw the alternative camera angle uh, that they didn't show on the Fox broadcast because they were busy picking on Gardner, you actually see our third base coach telling Gardner to go into third. Gardner was trying to hold up. Third base coach told him to go into third, and that's also that slight hesitation is what also caused that out. But you know, it's a phenomenal play by 
uh, 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 Reddick uh, there uh, out in the outfield because uh, basically that ball was stuck in the right field corner. He makes a great relay throw. I mean, a perfect throw gets Gardner at third base. It's just it's such a risky play for not nearly as much utility as you would get out of it because it's two outs. You never want to chance it. So you got beat by a great throw, but, you know, it's was it even worth taking the chance there? That was the issue that I had and a number of people had because, again, you never want to make the last out of third base. It doesn't make any sense doing it that way, especially when you have people coming up that can actually drive you in. Even with Judge struggling, you gotta you got to give him a chance there to uh, do something. So, kind of going through it, I mean, Verlander, 124 pitches, complete game, just beast performance. Uh, the slider he had going on, I mean, it was just dropping off the table. I believe the final tally they had it as was that the strikeout uh, was responsible for 9 out of the 13 punchouts uh, the Yankees had in that game. I mean, for the most part, it, it's one of those situations where Verlander's on, you need to pull out every uh, trick you can think of and just be smart uh, at the plate. And there were too many occasions where I just didn't like the at-bats uh, coming out of Frazier and Headley. Uh, Judge had some uh, awkward swings, too. Uh, Sanchez, not that much better. I mean, people are focusing on Judge and Sanchez just because they're the stars, but even the veterans are struggling mightily uh, so far in this series for the Yankees. So, you know, a lot Yankees aren't doing great, but you also have to credit the Astros for uh, pushing the envelope. I mean, the final sequence where Altuve on a ball that's cut off in right field by Judge. So it doesn't, I mean, it's in the gap, but it doesn't split the gap because Judge does a great job cutting the ball off. Altuve's running hard, and, you know, there's a moment where, again, wasn't shown on the original angle uh, on it, but, you know, I picked up on it because, you know, in those situations when you have a fast base runner uh, on the uh, on the plate, the second baseman is supposed to take charge because the second baseman can identify with how fast the runner's going, and Starlin Castro's not even looking for it, so... Didi is cr- coming over to second base uh, to cover because Castro is nowhere to be found. Castro has to actually take control of that uh, uh, situation to, uh, uh, to make uh, make the play. The, the, uh, in that regard, because a Judge is looking for an outlet throw to, uh, to hit the relay man. If Castro takes that ball and uh, calls for it, he can actually point out exactly where uh, the run, runner's going to be because he can actually spot this and see where the turn's coming. Didi's coming over and is coming right into uh, uh, the line of fire. He's not going to be able to ad- identify what's going on with Altuve. Castro can. So in the sequence, you see Didi throw his hands up because Castro's nowhere to be found. So he's picking up at second base. The problem is, is that Correa is incredibly fast. There's no play at second base, but Didi can't see how fast Correa's going because he's got to uh, get over and cover the bag anyway. So he's throwing his hands up, and judges uh, just looking at it is like Castro's not active. 
Didi is, so you got to throw the ball into second. But Correa is fast enough, and he does exactly a perfectly legal slide. You can slide into the bag and pop up, which is what uh, you're supposed to do uh, with the rule changes. If you slide through in the bag in any way, then you can make a case for interference. But because it's a pop-up slide, that's perfectly legal. And from that point on, Didi has to kind of throw around Correa so he can't get everything on the ball. That's why he ends up short-hopping Sanchez. Now, Sanchez, realistically, you got to come up with that play. I, I mean, it's the game online. you got to figure out a way to come up with a play. But the circumstances that led to it, uh, because uh, the throw beats uh, Altuve even as fast as he is, you put the pressure on the Yankees to actually execute a proper play, and the Yankees uh, fell apart there. So that's uh, one of the reasons why uh, the Astros uh, are up in this series. The other reason why the Astros are up in this series, and it's a very telling sign, uh, the Yankees had Severino up on the mound, and even with uh, the apparent uh, the apparent concerns with uh, Severino that led to Girardi pulling him after the four uh, after the fourth inning, you had A plus arms coming out of the bullpen. Yeah, Canley, yeah, Robinson, yeah, Chapman. You had A plus arms. The Yankees only had four were able to produce four strikeouts on the Astros lineup. Four. Out of guys with A-plus stuff. The Astros are on top of our pitches, and that's the simple fact. Through the first two games, they've got nine punch-outs. Uh, I mean, in terms of the compa- uh, comparison, uh, the Yankees have struck out uh, over 20... <laughs> oh, <laughs> It, 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 it's kind of sad. It, it, we've had over 20 strikeouts uh, in this series. It's We're not getting good looks. Uh, you know, their starters have had double-digit strikeouts uh, both games. Uh, the Astros are on top of our pitches, even though we're throwing A-plus stuff. And, you know, in terms of the rest of the series, you know, I think I said it from the uh, – before, I, I think this series is going five, and I think the Astros take it. It's not that it's the Yankees aren't uncompetitive against the series. I just don't think they have the answers to solve what the Astros are able to do offensively. And I think the offensive explosion is coming from the Astros as opposed to the Yankees. The Yankees aren't getting good at bats. So that's the long and short of it. It's not. It's not cute. It's not a. It's not a good look at all right now for the Yankees. It's not what we've been seeing out of Cleveland because at least in uh, with the Cleveland series, the Yankees were at least getting good contact in and getting on base. They're not getting on base at the same clip, and it's showing. So we'll see what happens tonight. Uh, this is their best opportunity to get back into this series uh, because uh, you know again you've you've gotten through uh, the. Uh, the most dangerous aspect of uh, their uh, starting uh, pitching staff. So you're going up against Musgrove. Uh, uh, not not Musgrove. I, I meant Charlie Morton. Uh, but Charlie Morton's uh, best pitch is the changeup. You should be able to uh, get on base. So if and the uh, clear the line delineation here is, you know. If the first three innings, the Yankees can't uh, get on base at a relatively healthy clip with at least one runner per inning, two runners per inning, 
we're in trouble because we need to actually put up some runs early. I put the magic number at uh, seven earlier, and I still stick with that because CC will throw up uh, whatever works, but I think they're going to get to CC, and CC is going to have to battle all night long. And, you know, with the bullpen being used as it was, they've already gotten good looks at our bullpen. So uh, I think the matching number seven to put ourselves in a good spot to win these two home games. Uh, so you got to, someone's got to get hot and start driving in some runs because if you're not scoring at a healthy enough clip against this Astros team, that offense is going to wear you down. We pitched about as well as we can expect to pitch the rest of the series and still wasn't good enough. So I'm expecting more of an offensive take from the Astros than the Yankees. Could be wrong on that, but it just seems as though the Astros lineup is just getting a better read on balls than we are at the moment. So shifting over to the National League, uh, we've got the Dodgers up two games to none on the Cubs. Game one dealt with the controversy of what is blocking the plate as to not blocking the plate. You know, this is the Buster Posey rule. If you don't like the rule, this is what you have to blame the San Francisco Giants for because they're the ones who complained incessantly over the injury to Buster Posey and got the rule change to avoid any contact at home plate. And now you have this nonsense where you can't be anywhere near the plate even though you're there's nothing wrong with what Wilson Contreras did. It, it is just a very uh, obtuse rule because it puts it all in the decision-making process of the umpire, which, again, this is like calling balls and strikes. If the umpire wants to say that he wasn't obstructing the plate, then it's fine. If he says it's obstructing the plate, there's no way to get around it. And, you know, that's why Joe Madden got p- ticked off and tossed because... Uh, it was just a situation where he's looking at it from his perspective and fighting for his guy saying that, you know, this rule doesn't make any sense. And for a large extent, I agree with that because you can't play catcher and try to receive the ball and make a sweep tag without being near the plate. It just doesn't work. And to lose, essentially lose a game in that fashion because – that was the insurance run, but, you know, the, you could tell that, like, the crowd was completely energized by the fact that that play got overturned uh, by the umpire and they gave uh, the Dodgers the run. You know, it changed the course of the game. And, you know, so far in this series, uh, two guys have been uh, the difference makers. Uh, well, I should say th- uh, three guys, but, you know, one, Yasiel Puig, he's balling out. He's he's uh, uh, putting the uh, putting his team in a good spot. Pretty much every time he's up at the plate, even though he's the number eight here. Last night he was getting walked constantly because the Cubs were basically told themselves we're not going to get beat by Yasiel Puig. So you know when you're already putting yourself in an awkward spot. Uh, Actually, I think they had him hitting seven last night because of Culberson. But regardless, 
when you're hitting that low in the lineup and the other team is literally saying that they're uh, not going to get beat by you, you're you're already forcing them to change up uh, what their uh, strategy is. So Puig's been a difference maker. Justin Turner's been a difference maker. I'm not going to say the usual catchphrase that is associated with any Mets player, but uh, Turner's actually making the uh, the switch from being just a guy to being a name guy because he had an incredible season this year. Basically, was still ignored for the most part in uh, in terms of the All Star game. I had to get voted in, but you know. You're hitting over, uh, you're hitting over 300. You've got, uh, you've got uh, tw- 20 bombs on a year, and he's been putting up the numbers for a couple years now. It's, it's not like it's a one-year uh, wonder situation. He's in a prime of his career, similar to a Murph situation, and uh, you know he he's literally st- uh, becoming one of those guys that you r- recognize as. A viable player, and you know, and sometimes you get late bloomers. But Turner's been having an awesome series, uh, and the big reason why they're they're up uh, uh, two games to none had the walk off home run last night. You know, again, in a situation where John Lackey gets brought in in a tough spot by his manager, because again, he's a starter, not a reliever. You know, not a lot of room for error, and Turner made him pay. Third guy for the Dodgers that uh, isn't getting talked about nearly enough, and that's uh, Brandon Morrow. Puts up two solid innings of work in the middle innings where uh, uh, Dave Roberts had to lift Rich Hill early to get a pinch uh, pinch hitter up uh, in the Granderson. Uh, Didn't work out. Rich Hill was pretty pissed off about it if you watched him in, in the dugout afterwards. But Morrow bailed out Roberts with two clean innings. Uh, I mean, basically, he had... Uh, a, yeah, it, yep, that, that's what I thought it was. He had uh, fi- 15, uh, 15 strikes out of 18 pitches. I mean, really clean. Just put uh, put him in bad spots. And got two strikeouts. You know, about as clean and sufficient as an inning as you can, uh, two innings as you can get, and it stretched out the game uh, long enough so you can get to Jansen, and you know, from there on, the Cubs were already behind the eight ball because Lester only goes four and two thirds for Madden pulls them. I don't agree with, uh, I don't disagree uh, with Madden to be honest because Lester's already over a hundred pitches. He's got five walks. You know, would you like to have him finish the inning? Yeah, but, you know, he's not, there's not enough out of Lester to get you through what you got to get through to win this game. Plus, from where I was kind of looking at it is, I thought you could have probably brought in uh, Lackey earlier. Then, like, to actually have a clean inning before uh, you uh, you put him in a high leverage situation just to make it easier on him. But, you know, Madden made the decision. Wade Davis was not going to be used because Wade Davis had already thrown 44 pitches in game one. It would have it been nuts to try to 
use Wade Davis again, uh, knowing that you got to try to win four games out of the series, and you've already overextended your uh, closer. So, uh, you know, Cubs were pretty much behind the eight ball because they couldn't get enough length out of their starting pitching, and their bullpen isn't nearly as deep as the Dodgers. So, uh, you know, basically the Cubs are going to have to rely on uh, the Wrigley crowd and uh, just getting themselves energized uh, in terms of uh, their at-bats because right now they're not scoring – uh, at the clip that they need to, if they're they're going to be serious about winning this series, you know, uh, three runs in LA ain't going to cut it in two games. So uh, they're going to have to pick it up from an offense standpoint, and uh, we'll we'll see where it goes from there. So, in terms of college football, uh, let's let's just kind of go through the mayhem that took place. Uh, in terms of games, you know, I already talked about uh, Clemson and Washington State going down. Uh, further debacles that took place. Uh, you had Washington just getting blanked. This was the late night game Saturday. And just kind of seeing how they went down. They weren't remotely competitive. And then you had Auburn lose earlier in the day to LSU. And I was already mocking LSU with good reason because they don't have an all an actual offense. But Auburn goes down when they don't score a single point in the second half. I mean, they're they were up. <laughs> they were up uh, twenty three to seven at one point, and you know, it just uh, it just went out went well out of control. Uh, after that point, uh, they they couldn't uh, they could they couldn't figure out LSU's defense in the second half. Got to give uh, LSU credit for playing hard, but you know, in terms of the overall uh, rankings, I mean, it's it's a bit of a quandary as to who's actually going to be uh, the uh, top teams finishing at the end of the year. I mean, right now I look at it and say. Penn State's in a good spot. Uh, Alabama should uh, be there at the end. But outside of that, it's like the most impressive team uh, that I've seen is Georgia. And, you know, I feel like I'm about to jinx Georgia, but, you know, they've actually uh, had the most impressive performances uh, throughout the year. Uh, You know, they got to go... Uh, defend against Florida at home. I mean, again, any given uh, any given weekend, a college team can go down, and you see it in the pros all the time too. But you know, as it stands right now, I think Georgia's the most impressive team I've seen so far this year. But uh, you know, they they there's there's always that what if factor uh, that I, I see in college football. So. Uh, we'll see how uh, the rest of the things shake out. Uh, Clemson drops down to seventh, uh, so Ohio State gets a slight reprieve because they're ahead of them at six. Uh, Miami creeps into the top ten, uh, so they're one of the remaining undefeated teams to finally get into the top ten. Uh, Miami's been squeaking by. I, I don't expect them to continue on at the clip they're going at, but you never know. So, 
with college out of the way, uh, you had some more developments in the Premier League on Saturday. Uh, Chelsea loses uh, to <laughs> to Crystal Palace, which is absolutely embarrassing. But uh, you know they lost two one, and you had Arsenal up easily at the first half, dropping a game to Watford. Uh, you know, just not not a good Saturday for certain teams. But, you know, and from the standpoint of where uh, the Premier League is, it's Man City and everybody else. Man U put up a clunker against Liverpool, but they got the point. I mean, Man U did not even try to win the game against Liverpool and made sure that Liverpool can uh, win the game, except for the fact that Liverpool had a point-blank chance to score on uh, David De Gea, who is arguably the best keeper in uh, the entire world, and he made it a fantastic kick save to keep the ball out of the net. But outside of that, uh, Liverpool didn't uh, have nearly as many chances as they would have liked, and that was more of a case of Mourinho kind of putting the clamps on everything. So, you know, Manchester United fans are cranky. The British papers are cranky at Mourinho. He does not care. He's, he's trying to angle to keep his team afloat long enough to hope for an injury to Man City and then try to capture the title that way. At the way <clears throat> Man City are playing, no one's catching them unless they get injuries or uh, suspensions, and that's what Mourinho's counting on. He's not counting on uh, uh, their, their style of play to elevate themselves over Man City. He's just trying to stretch this season out as long as he can and hope that there's a hiccup somewhere along the way uh, for Man City. So, uh, you know, I can go into the debacle of Arsenal, but it's not even worth my time. Uh, you know, it was terrible team selection. Again, best players aren't playing. Again, and that that's all there is to with Arsenal. Uh, you know, Wenger can say whatever he wants about the referees and their decisions. Uh, that loss was primarily on him and his uh, inability to select his best 11 on a consistent basis and play in a style that actually is conducive to scoring goals. So, uh, going past the Premier League, we're going to get into the NFL games yesterday. Uh, in terms of... The injury to Aaron Rodgers, uh, it's a broken collarbone, most likely done for the year. If you've got him on your fantasy squad, there's no replacing him. But, you know, the idea would be that you're trying to do a temporary stopgap so you can look at a possibility of Alex Smith just as a placeholder. But you're you're going to be caught up in a situation where you're going to have to try to make, uh, because typically when you have a player like Aaron Rodgers, you've drafted him uh, pretty high up. So you're going to have to probably make a trade and further weaken your depth to uh, keep yourselves uh, in the mix. Because the problem is, is that with, uh, a guy like Rodgers, because you took him in the third round or fourth round, you know, sometimes they take him even higher. But when you take a player that high, your team is uh, 
it's going to be str struggling for death if like you haven't had injuries already. So uh, it's one of those situations where if you've been banking on getting those QB points, now you actually have to recalibrate. So I would say you can make uh, you can make a, a trade to try to get a lesser QB, or you could just try to piecework it from free agency, which depending on your league, it's it's kind it's getting tougher and tougher to do because. Uh, with Deshaun Watson going off uh, the way that he has, you, you're you're really limited in your options because Watson's been gone for weeks now. So you're not going to see a ton of people. Plus, uh, Andrew Luck's coming back uh, into the mix. So uh, the Jacoby Brissett uh, vehicle is, is going to be ending soon. Uh, so there, And many people had already stashed uh, Luck on their benches uh in anticipation of him playing sooner so they haven't moved him yet most likely so you're in a tight spot if you're uh aaron Rodgers' owner so you, you have to kind of play it by ear for now but like the temporary stopgap play in my opinion right now would be alex smith uh uh and uh, chat kind of do it that way so about to get into uh the fantasy mix today and uh no better place to start than with the Redskins. And the NFL you like that? You like that? Player of the Week. So we've got the return of Mr. Cousins. Uh, so Redskins back in action, playing 49ers. And uh, essentially what you've had here was better team came out, win gangbusters. Uh, put up big numbers early, and then all of a sudden, the 49ers come back into the mix uh, uh, on this one. Uh, for the most part, I actually thought the 49ers were going to pull off the upset because it, uh, the Redskins end up stalling way too early in this game. So uh, Cousins uh, uh, puts in a rushing TD late to uh, kind of salt away the victory, but that was a lot closer than uh, that game had any right to be. Uh, so... Uh, uh, Washington comes through with 26-24 victory. Cousins ends up leading all QBs and fantasy points. Uh, more out of default because this was a pretty lousy week for uh, f uh, fantasy quarterbacks in general. Uh, you weren't getting a ton of value there, uh, but uh, you know, you know, you you did enough to win the game. But that that's about all you could say for. Uh, the Redskins uh, uh, this week. All right, so get into the rest of the mix. Going back to Thursday night, uh, Carson Wentz, pretty much as efficient as you can be with Philly, which is very infuriating. Philly uh, going into Carolina, taking care of business. Uh, a lot went on with this one. Uh, for the most part, uh, it just ended up being... Carson Wentz uh, being very efficient with the ball. Alshon Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar, uh, Zach Ertz. You know, very professional performance by the Eagles. Again, frustrating. Uh, meanwhile, on the other side, Cam is... They're figuring out ways of getting Christian McCaffrey involved. Coven Benjamin had a big game, but not nearly as much out of the rest of the uh, squad. Uh, you know, Ed Dixon was... Very quiet. Uh, Funchess was very quiet. Not not nearly enough uh, out of uh, 
Carolina, it, uh, to my liking, it, it was very, uh, very subpar. So, the biggest, <laughs> uh, the biggest surprise of the weekend, and I'm not talking about the Giants, because the Giants, basically annoying teams, is what they do best. The team that I got to talk about is Atlanta. Atlanta goes out, puts puts up 17 points in the first half. Looks like they're about to KO Miami early. Get, gets into a rut with a couple penalties down the stretch of the first half and don't take care of business. Second half, Miami starts making a bit of a run. And, you know, it's in spite of Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler throws for 151 yards of actual passing. Jay Cutler had two touchdowns, but mainly it was the work of Jay Ajayi doing all the heavy lifting to actually pull Jay Cutler's carcass to putting him in a position to actually put up some points. Miami scores uh, 20 in the second half, gets the win. Atlanta, again, blows another big lead at home, and, you know, I can't figure out exactly what's wrong with the Falcons other than the defense is ha- having a Super Bowl hangover. And on offense, Steve Sarkeesian, the new offensive coordinator, can't figure out how to make an offense with Devonta Freeman, Tevin Coleman, Julio Jones, Mohamed Sanu. I mean, the amount of people on Atlanta that you can't score 30 points a week, it- it's embarrassing. They, it's like it's actually giving appreciation to Kyle Shanahan, which is insulting because I don't think Kyle Shanahan is that good of an offensive coordinator. But when you've got guys like Sarkeesian sticking up the joint, it actually gives credence to Kyle Shanahan being an offensive genius. So that was the Atlanta game. So that knocked out a number of people in suicide pools, including yours truly. So I'm a little salty about that. Uh, going into the next game, uh, Houston just taking care of business against uh, Cleveland. Deshaun Watson, again, with the team that could have drafted him and said, eh, no thanks, uh, just embarrasses the Browns. So, yeah, three touchdown performance. Lamar Miller got into the act uh, a bit. Will Fuller, again, had another TD uh, in his comeback. DeAndre had a TD. Quiet day, but, you know, everyone on Houston was scoring points. Uh, Ryan Griffin uh, was in the mix. Uh, Braxton Miller. I mean, Deshaun Watson had pretty much a balanced complement to the offense. And you have to consider the Texans to be an AFC contender at this point. There's no getting around it. Even with J.J. Watt injured, defense can still ball out. The offense has balance. They have young talent. They have a QB that can uh, move around in the pocket and can get and burn you down the field. The Texans are for real. There's no, there's no if, ands, or buts about it. It's just a matter of consistency-wise where you're going to get out of the Texans week to week. Because uh, right now the the record only shows three and three. Uh, Mainly because you end up having to waste uh, <laughs> waste some time with Tom Savage. It, it, I'd be curious to see the Texans in the next five weeks, how, how they progress. Uh, but uh, with uh, New England uh, playing Atlanta next week, 
you could see a, a title shift if Atlanta pulls off an upset and knocks New England down. Because, you know, looking at the AFC, uh, you've got a bunch of teams that I'm not overly impressed by. Denver laid an egg against the Giants. I'll get into that in a bit. Uh, but, I mean, again, it's like a poo-poo platter in the AFC. I mean, the Ravens are 3-3 three and three and look like a complete joke. Uh, you know, it's wide open in the AFC. So, I, I think the Texans have an excellent chance. And, uh, you know, I'll get into that shortly. So, uh, in terms of other matchups that happened today, uh, the Rams beating the Jaguars, mainly because Blake Bortles can't throw. I mean... Watching this game on Fox was painful, mainly because <laughs> Leonard Fournette is just going off. He had the big ninety-four. Uh, he had a big uh, run for uh, ninety-four yards last week. He has a big run again today against the Rams for fifty-plus yards. I mean, ran over a hundred yards. Yeah, so he was over one thirty. Uh, and went down with the ankle injury. Chris Ivory also had a big, uh, uh, big day as well, receiving out of the backfield. But you know, the problem is, is that no one respects the Jaguars throwing the football because Blake Bortles is that bad. And you know, it, it's that apparent because uh, you know Jacksonville uh, lost this game not because of their defense, because their offense kept putting them in bad positions. Constantly. I mean, in terms of total yards, Jared Goff threw for less than 150 yards. Uh, Todd Gurley had less, uh, had uh, just over 100 yards uh, rushing. There wasn't anything that the Rams did spectacular. It was just they were more efficient uh, in uh, moving the football than the, uh, the Jaguars. Hence the reason why the Jags need to consider bringing in a QB. I don't care who it is. Anyone could be brought in to run this Jags team because the Jags would actually be a legitimate playoff team if they actually uh, had a quarterback. Right now, they're just a gimmick team that runs the football. They need someone that can throw the football, even if it's, I mean, hell, even Tim Tebow would at least be a better option than Bortles at this point, which is saying something. All right, uh, Bears, Ravens. Honestly, I really don't feel like talking about this game other than how bad Joe Flacco was. Uh, you know, again, Joe Flacco doesn't look healthy, doesn't look remotely prepared to run the team, yet it's still the Ravens' best option as QB. You know, the Ravens can say whatever they want about the Kaepernick situation and, uh, you know, it and what Ray Lewis said the Ravens do not look remotely prepared to win more than seven games this year. And they're three and three. That's, that's, that's a very telling sign. This team has stalled so much in terms of offensive efficiency. Joe Flacco barely was even close to being useful. He threw under 200 yards again. You know, the rushing game is stalling again because, you know, even though they're mixing it up, because of the fact that Joe Flacco can't throw the ball down the field when, you know, it, Mike Wallace is still a competent receiver. It, it, this is a Joe Flacco problem. 
Uh, I'll, I'm just flat out saying it that way. It's a Joe Flacco problem. They're scoring points because Justin Tucker is the best kicker in the league, but, you know, the Ravens are a mess. Uh, credit to the Bears. Mitchell Trubisky, not very impressive offensively, but didn't kill his team like the uh, way Flacco did with some of the turnovers he had uh, with the two picks, it, and they were bad picks. Uh, so, you know, cre- credit to the Bears. They hung in there. Jordan Howard carried the team on his back, 167 yards rushing, and it was 37 carries. I mean, he was a workhorse today. So uh, you got to give the Bears credit uh, for hanging in there on the road with a rookie QB. Uh, I mean, this game was a shootout between the Saints and the uh, Lions. I mean, the Saints needed to put up a big performance Drew Brees didn't have it, uh, which, again, is one of those head-scratchers. Uh, when you score 52 points, you think that it was Drew Brees-related. Drew Brees was under 200 yards, had two picks, uh, wasn't wasn't good. Uh, but, you know, Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara uh, woke up with the AP uh, trade, uh, put up big numbers. Uh, Ingram is uh, trying to solidify himself because he knows Kamara is on his ass to get it uh, – the starting uh, starting running back gig. So yeah, he put up big numbers. Uh, Ted Ginn had uh, a big uh, uh, returned uh, uh, a big return to the lineup. Uh, you know, Willie Sneed still not even remotely involved in the offense right now. Uh, that could have been just a, a function of breeze, but it wasn't wasn't good. And as far as the Lions go, they were sleepwalking through this game for the most part. I mean, it, it was. Uh, 31 to 7 I believe at one point before the Lions turned it on in garbage time in the second half to at least make a game of it but uh it just uh not nearly good enough of a performance out of the Lions uh considering that they're also a dome team so uh the excuse that uh, uh they were overwhelmed by the Saints speed it's it's a bit hollow I I just think the Lions weren't really prepared for that one uh, Green Bay and Minnesota, I mean, the story here was Aaron Rodgers getting injured. Uh, Brett Hundley came in, uh, wasn't really pre- prepared, but you can't expect them to be when you're backing up Aaron Rodgers. Uh, uh, Hundley had three picks. He had a TD late, uh, but, you know, not really good. Uh, again, the, the Green Bay offense is not going to move. Uh, with Brett Hundley as QB. Uh, you know, this is another team that needs a QB in the worst way now. Uh, Case Keenum put up some numbers. I mean, nothing to write home about. Uh, but the news for the Vikings is Teddy Bridgewater is supposedly coming back soon to, to be reactivated off of the physically unable to perform list. So uh, that's something to keep an eye out on uh, as the season goes on. But uh, Green Bay, got to look for a QB. I don't know who you're going to bring out because they don't seem to be uh, interested in going after anyone. Uh, we'll get into the Kaepernick news uh, in a bit, though. Uh, next up, we had uh, essentially a shootout between the Cardinals and Tampa where Ryan Fitzpatrick comes in because Jameis Winston gets injured early for a concussion. Uh, and they basically held him out the rest of the game. Uh, you know, I kind of look at this one and said that this was a must-win game for Arizona, and 
guess who shows up? Adrian Peterson. Out of the fountain of youth, Adrian Peterson puts on a performance where he's high-stepping, he's making cuts, he's making everybody look bad, and everyone's stuck in the mud. Uh, AP, again, huge day, uh, over 130 yards, two rushing TDs, and multiple highlight reel uh, rushes. Uh, I mean, he was incredible. Uh, Larry Fitz, 11 targets, 10 receptions, 138 yards, and a TD. Uh, you know, Fitz has been the best wide receiver in the league this year. And I'm not even exaggerating. He has been the best wide receiver. Uh, top, uh, top down. There's no, no question about it. He's been the best. Uh, that's, uh, that's all I can say about that. Uh, Carson Palmer, uh, turnover machine, was not in effect today, although he did have one egregious one. But, you know, he did enough to avoid uh, uh, killing his team today. So, uh Cardinals get the win, uh, 38-33. Uh, game of the day uh, ends up being uh, a mess uh, because New England wins a game where Tom Brady was less than Tom Brady. Josh McCown throws for over 350 yards, which, again... I thought wasn't going to happen because the Patriots would have figured out the defense by now. Still haven't figured it out. Matt Forte, uh, you know, good good performance. Uh, you got a lot of uh, great plays for out of Jeremy Curley and Jermaine Curse on offense. And Austin Safarian Jenkins should have had two receiving TDs yesterday. Why does he only have one receiving TD? Because the NFL has ridiculous rules that... Only an idiot could actually not know what a catch is these days. Austin Severian Jenkins catches a ball, gets knocked out at the pylon in the end zone, and is ruled to have fumbled the ball outside the pylon, despite the fact the ball never actually leaves his possession. He The ball bobbles because of the defender knocking the ball, but the ball never actually leaves the vicinity of his hand. So the ball bobbles slightly, and he corrals it as he falls out of bounds. The umpires rule that uh, <laughs> Safari Jenkins fumbled the ball because he didn't have proper possession inbounds so that by the time he lands and hits the pylon, it's considered out of bounds and a fumble. Figure that one out for a ball that never leaves his vicinity. That's the NFL these days. It, you know, the Jets made a game of it. Uh, just uh, a few too many mistakes down the stretch. Uh, of the first half and the second half by McCown, though, and the Patriots escape with a seven-point victory that, again, gets talked about because that was uh, a ridiculous ruling, and no, no one's going to agree with that one. So, Pittsburgh, Casey, Pittsburgh was in control throughout this game. Uh, the biggest thing here is the fact that Pittsburgh seems to have figured out what they need to do. Run the ball with Le'Veon Bell. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, 179 rushing yards, uh, had over 20 touches, got what he needed to get done. Antonio Brown gets the ball and one of the flukiest touchdown catches you will ever see with the ball, uh, the ball literally hitting uh, the Kansas City DB in the face uh, and bouncing over to AB who 
catches it and runs it in for a touchdown over 60 yards. You know, it worked out for the Steelers uh, that they were able to contain Kareem Hunt for the most part. Uh, Kareem Hunt uh, did not rush for uh, any decent amount. He only had 21 yards, but he had 89 uh, receiving yards. Uh, but, uh, you know, an interesting uh, dynamic here was the fact that after the game, Martavis Bryant uh, seems to have demanded a trade <laughs> despite the fact that his team won. Uh, I mean, Pittsburgh's got some issues. Yeah. And, you know, that's why I said the AFC is wide open because there's way too much uh, going on with some of these teams. I mean, Pittsburgh's 4-2. and two, had a big win, and now we're talking about a wide the number two wide receiver demanding a trade in post game. Doesn't make any sense, but that's the NFL these days. So final uh, uh, final game I'm talking about uh, ahead of the Monday night game. You've got the Chargers and Raiders. Uh, this is the Melvin Gordon show. Uh, Melvin Gordon rushes for over 183. Uh, uh, Versus for 83 yards, has another 67 yards receiving. I mean, he did everything for the Chargers today because uh, in terms of uh, receivers, uh, Keenan Allen was pretty quiet, uh, uh, which I was surprised by. They couldn't figure out a way of getting him the ball down the field, uh, but he was double covered. Uh, I thought Terrell Williams would, uh, would have a bigger game than he did. Uh, Mike Williams played and made his debut for the Chargers. One catch off of one target. I mean, didn't really, again, nothing really happened for the Chargers out, outside of Melvin Gordon. But uh, Gordon was enough to kind of carry the day. And they get a game-winning uh, field goal at the end, which I, for the life of me, I thought they were going to somehow manage to find a way to bungle. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was uh, pretty much a standard uh, flag-bearing day for Gordon. But... Uh, if I'm the Raiders, I'm I'm getting annoyed because Amari Cooper is not bringing it, and Crabtree came back from an injury and outperformed him again. It's just not acceptable. So, in terms of uh, where things are shaping up, I, I just look at the Raiders and say that this is probably going to end up being the team that people expected big things out of. And it's just not happening because the Raiders are two and four, and I'm just not liking uh, just the direction that team's going. They still can't run the football, even with Marshawn Lynch, and I don't think Marshawn Lynch is done. I just think that Marshawn Lynch is getting no support uh, offensively to actually do what he needs to get done because Marshawn Lynch is uh, is a volume type of running back. He needs to have the ball constantly and right now Marshawn Lynch is averaging uh, 10, uh, 10 carries a game uh, just over 10 carries a game I believe because uh, uh, he had 13 carries yesterday for 63 yards Marshawn Lynch needs the ball 20 times a game it's like at the end of the day if I'm the Raiders what did I bring in Marshawn Lynch for volume and to get it uh, and to run the ball in the postseason uh it's just not that not remotely good enough to uh, get the job done so getting into the giants and uh you know 
I'm I'm gonna uh, just stop the recap here because this this requires just further catharsis on it. The Giants for everything that they've done this year, and it's been a lot they've bungled. One of the biggest uh, criticisms that you could level at this team was the play calling of uh, Ben McAdoo. Because you swear Ben McAdoo didn't know what the hell he was doing. So, with knowing that the Giants have no wide receivers, no one who can catch the football, the Giants show up in Denver last night with no expectations of actually being competitive in this game. And I was one of them because I was legitimately worried that they were going to figure out a way of getting Eli killed. Instead, the Giants decide to put out their best offensive line unit that they could have when they're 0-5. <laughs> so, I, I said, well, I, sh- I shouldn't say their best offensive unit. It's at least the, the, better than what I was expecting. So, they didn't move Flowers over to right tackle, even though I still think he's better off at right tackle than left. They still kept uh, Flowers at left tackle. They moved Justin Pugh from left guard over to right tackle because you needed someone who can actually play right tackle. I think Flowers would excel at right tackle uh, given his size and strength. But, you know, again, that's another story. Uh, So they slide Pugh out to right tackle. They move uh, John Jerry from right guard to left guard. And they bring in DJ Fluker to play right guard. And DJ Fluker was a failed left tackle, a failed right tackle, but is a mammoth beast of a man. And, you know, from all intents and purposes, people were saying that the Chargers screwed him up because he should have been a guard all along. And, you know, for the most part, the line worked. They gave up a, they gave up sacks to Denver, but that was going to happen anyway. But the... Uh, this the actual uh, the actual line delineation he, here that you need to uh, bear in mind is the fact that uh, you know the Giants were actually able to run the football, which is something that hasn't happened for well over two and a half years. I, I mean, it actually, it, it's not even two and a half. I, I'd say it's it's been three, but it, at least there was uh, some signs that Richard. Uh, 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 I mean, uh, with Rashard Jennings, that uh, you know, he 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 put o- he put over uh, uh, put over a couple hundred yards uh, a couple years ago. But regardless, this was just the Giants' offensive line creating holes against what was ranked uh, the number one rush defense. So you know, it, you had some trap blocks being executed by Fluker, where he's just cleaning house. On on uh, the Denver offensive line, I mean the Denver defensive line. Uh, you're using uh, you're using the right side of the field to actually open up some holes. The left side was actually functioning pretty well. Flowers did not get completely overwhelmed by the moment, so uh, you know baby steps. But you know it's absolutely frustrating when you watch teams get stubborn. And then realize that they screwed up monumentally. So 
McAdoo gives up play calling duties uh, to Sullivan, and the, the excuse he gives is that everybody needed me to be there for them. Uh, so he lets Mike Sullivan call the plays, and Mike Sullivan calls the run. I mean, he he used the run to set up the play action, and he gave Evan Ingram an opportunity to make plays when there were no other wide receivers capable of making plays. I mean, we were starting random guys off the street. I mean, Tavares King was not part of any offensive game plan that we had the first couple of weeks of the season, uh, even off the practice squad. Uh, we had, uh, at least Roger Lewis was, uh, suited up for some games. King was just being brought off the practice squad. I mean, it was a mess, but it worked because we could actually play action. When Eli can play action pass, the Giants are a good offensive team. You need to be able to run the football to do that. And our coaching staff did not put us in any sort of position to actually do that the first couple of weeks of the season. And it shows because to, uh, last night, I mean, that was a completely different team than what uh, we had seen the first uh, uh, couple of games of the season. And it actually played with some energy. The defense was inspired. Uh, you know, everything the Giants did last night was what should have happened weeks ago, which is infuriating because you look at this team now and you see the talent is still there to be good. And actually make the playoffs, but they're in such a hole with so little room for error that it's almost impossible for the Giants to actually do anything this year. It really is. But you know, I'm I'm hopeful the Giants can do something. I just don't actually see the Giants being anything more than a five-one team this year. And you know, that's on the coaching staff and Jerry Reese because Jerry Reese is going to try to pat himself on the back saying, oh, see, the, the offensive line did something good against the number one ranked rush defense. Uh, but, you know, you you don't get applause for having one good game. Yeah, you get a you get accolades for actually doing something throughout the year. This was a save-my-ass uh, moment rather than, oh, let's try to win the season type of, uh, uh, let's, let's, let's try to win some games and save the season and go to the playoffs uh, kind of uh, approach to the game. Uh, the Giants basically, you know, listened to the fans and actually did what they were supposed to do in order to save their jobs for next year, which, again, is frustrating as hell. Uh, I mean, there's nothing there's nothing to get around that. I mean, but, you know, at the end of the day, I look at this and say that, you know, I'm happy to at least get a win against a quality team. And, you know, at least that way, you know, you kind of you kind of can move a little bit forward. But, man, it's just so frustrating seeing how incompetent this coaching staff made life miserable for the fans this year. And that's on McAdoo. It really is. You know, the play calling was pathetic. And the fact that it took until game six when no one gives us a chance to actually execute a game plan that made sense and hot showcases the abilities of our quarterback when everybody had to be hurt to do that, that's insulting. You know, you had so much talent on this team, and for it to go completely wasted out of just sheer ignorance, that's the biggest indictment I can say on this Giants team. So, 
that's all I got for now. Uh, we've got uh, the Monday night game with uh, Indianapolis and Tennessee coming up uh, tonight, as well as game three of the ALCS with the Yankees and the Astros. So that's all for now, and we'll see how the games turn out. talked about position in all of sports the quarterback and now there's a show solely dedicated to the most sought after role on the field celebrity qb featuring four-time super bowl champion coach charlie weiss unlike other football shows you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks like is this the year tom brady finally looks his age will dating danica patrick distract aaron Rodgers? i mean he's dating danica patrick charlie we're interested in that you know well i mean tommy's got giselle i'll, I'll take giselle okay <laughs> is dak prescott good enough to win a super bowl for the cowboys which rookie quarterback has the best shot of making a positive impact in 2018 how about intellectually charlie as far as what they ask the quarterbacks to do now the game has changed but the pressure that's put on quarterbacks and it always been put on quarterbacks is tremendous Join Charlie Weiss and co-host Steve Strout on an all-new podcast from Lasting Media, exclusively about quarterbacks. Subscribe now at Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.